What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berti here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to enjoy creating content instead of stressing out about it. Freelance writers, we have a lot of deadlines that we have to do. And at the same time, we want more work. That could mean writing thousands of words per day. That also applies to authors, novelists, and everybody who is cranking out as many words as possible. How do we get into the habit of enjoying this process instead of stressing out about the content creation? We're going to talk about that in this episode. Our guest who joins us today, she's an award-winning marketer, content consultant, and author of Making Words Work. As a CEO of Trust Communications, our guest helps organizations accomplish their goals by harnessing the power of words. Our guest who joins us is none other than Kim Scaravelli. Kim, welcome to the show. Wow, you talk really fast. You have a lot of energy. Uh, I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and it's about quarter to wine hour here in Halifax. So I'm at a much slower pace than you are. Um, but yeah, very excited to be here and happy to talk about how to enjoy your work because let's face it, writing is a fun way to make a living. Or at least at some point when you started doing it, you thought it would be a fun way to make a living and you weren't wrong. You just lost your way if you're still stressed out all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, writing, there's just so much schedule flexibility, so many uh, clients you can take on, but all of that work can get overwhelming and then you kind of lose that joy. You could forget why you got into it. If you feel all of this stress mounting up. So one of the things that I want to get into right away is the stress and the burnout. They happen to almost everybody. What should we do when we start to feel that stress and burnout? What are some of the things that you do in those moments? First thing you do is stop writing. Like, I mean, I mean, literally st stop doing it. Like if you were on a treadmill and you started having chest pains, you'd get off the treadmill. It'd be an obvious first step, right? So if you are trying to pull creativity out of your brain and all of a sudden it won't come out of your head, it's stuck there. Realistically, the first thing you should do is stop pulling because something has gone wrong with the wiring. <laughs> you need to rest. And I don't mean that you suddenly have to stop and take a 90 minute yoga class and no, like sometimes it might be as simple as just going and making a cup of tea or just doing something else. I am at work with my dog. I always take my dog to work. So invariably, I see that as a sign that I should go around the block with the dog. That is that is Mother Nature's way of saying walk the dog. Honestly, we get very obsessive about finishing this weird hustle mentality. Um, and I don't think it does you a service. And I'm going to go on that treadmill example because I'm a runner, so I can relate to the treadmill example very well. You want to finish, you want to hit your mileage, but you feel some type of pain and it is smart to back off because if you don't back off in the running world, you're going to get hurt and then you're going to get sidelines for days, weeks, or even months. And that's a lot of fitness that you lose. Uh, comparing that to the writing, you feel burned out. You keep going on the treadmill, but now all of a sudden, instead of comfortably producing, let's say, 3,000 words per day, you struggle to produce 1,000 words per day because of the burnout. I think what happens with a lot of people is they're on this treadmill. They hear the warning where it's pains in the chest or legs are more sore than they should feel, but they have such pressing deadlines they have to tend to in that moment where 
getting off the treadmill it is easier in some moments more than others. How do we avoid that trap where we're on the treadmill and the deadlines are like we have something due tomorrow? It's a little harder to get off versus something due in a week. How do we get out of that cycle? Oh, 100%. And first of all, every human mortal person has a time when they've either bitten off more than they can chew or procrastinated for that one extra day. Um, and suddenly they just have to do it. <laughs> and if that happens to you once in a month, it's okay. Like just have that horrible, horrible day, buy yourself a bottle of the good wine when you're done and just shake it off. But if you're having that experience every week, or you're having that experience, God forbid, every day, then honestly, that is a sign that you can't keep going at that pace. And I think that for a lot of folks, particularly in the writing field, they don't really understand what done feels like. Like, do you know what done means? Because for me, I use timers. Screw how many words I'm going to put it. I'm, that's not going to work. <laughs> It's not going to work. If you run out of 2,000 words, it doesn't matter if you're supposed to make 3,000 words. It's just not going to work. You don't have another 1,000 words inside your body at that moment. I think time is an easier thing to use because that is what done looks like. If I tell myself that I'm done writing at 3 o'clock, then 3 o'clock is when I am done. It is a concrete thing. Now, realistically, you know in your own mind what a reasonable pace is. So if you're working quite hard every day and every day you get to that three o'clock point or whatever your line is and you haven't finished, then I don't think the idea, I just need to be faster is always the right answer. There are other possibilities here. One is that you've set the bar too high. Stephen King couldn't produce 10,000 words a day, every day, five days a week. For, nobody can do that. No one does that. Margaret Atwood doesn't do that. The greatest marketers on earth don't do that you're trying too hard. Maybe you have a little imposter syndrome going on. You think there's a room full of super amazing influencers that crank this stuff out every day. They do not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Neil Patel has a floor full of people cranking out content. He is not sitting there every day doing this. So calm yourself down. Um, the second possibility is to be truthful. Maybe you're not charging enough. And I say that in all due respect for it being a very competitive space. But if you have to crank out 10,000 words a day to make your rent. Find another way to make your rent. That is not a sustainable lifestyle choice. These are real, like these are real issues. Um, you saw it a lot with TikTok folks. Remember there's there's always that happy, amazing TikTok teenager. Woo woo, and they're making 12 TikTok videos a day and everyone loves them. And then all of a sudden they're in rehab and you don't see them for eight months and they've had a complete meltdown because that is not a sustainable pace. So I think- the first thing you should do if you're really struggling with feeling like your heart's really up here in your chest all over every day at the end of the day is switch from the number of words to a timer. And if you're honestly not able to keep that pace, look a little tiny bit deeper to other reasons why that pace just might not be sustainable. I mean, I love how Kim mentioned rates because there was a time where I would write it three cents a word. And yep. <laughs> when you, when you go from there, you're doing like 10 cents, 15 cents a word, 20 cents a word. You're not writing more content, but you're generating more revenue and revenue is an important part about 
enjoying the creation process because you're making the same money to produce, let's say, a 1,500-word article versus 7,000 words. You're able to enjoy those 1,500-word articles more, do more research for them. And I like Kim's focus on time because one 1,500-word article, you're going to know everything. You're going to be able to get through it with your knowledge. There's going to be another article you don't know as much. You're going to have to do all of this research. So it takes more time to put out those words. But looking at your rates can make a really big difference in enjoying the work. I do want to go into something also. Uh, one thing I saw you say, Kim, when I was doing my research for the episode is this idea of it's okay to not be productive all the time. And I'm wondering if you can share with us how a workaholic, someone who is sending like 20 pitches a day on their off days, how can a workaholic cope with the idea of not being productive all the time, being able to balance the work hard mentality they already have with the self-care of occasionally stepping back? Well, first of all, I think that there's a lot of strange representations of success out there in the world. Um, and the two that I always find really interesting are the, the like, they're, they're talking super fast, they're moving super fast, they tend to use words like hustle, 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 very frightening. And you think to yourself, would you want to be in a room with that person? Would you want to be trapped on an airplane with that person on a, you know, cross Atlantic voyage? Probably not. So don't aspire to be that person. That is not a pleasant looking lifestyle choice. Um, the, on the other end, I think that we have a lot of folks who, frankly, I'm going to use the the very quaint way we always say in Maritimes, it's just bullshit. Like it's absolute bullshit. These folks are not getting up in the morning and going Zen-like through their day, sipping herbal teas and kissing their children on the foreheads. Absolutely not. Everybody's more stressed than that. So I think the first thing is to have a realistic expectation of what you would like your life to look like. I don't just mean what you would like to be able to buy because we would all like to own an island in the Caribbean where we live with our Michelin star chef. But if that's what you need to be happy, you better start really hustling. But probably you don't. So I think that a lot of it actually does start with budgeting. It does go back to money. How much money do you have to have to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, keep the lights on? What are your needs versus what are your wants? and figure out how much content you're going to have to produce to match your needs. Like that's that's legitimate, but that's probably not where you are right now. It's the same idea. When you don't know what you need to hit every month to break even, then it's very hard for you to know if you're having a good month or a bad month. And that's where you get into that weird, I can't stop thing. That's the workaholic. The workaholic is, is running at a constantly moving finishing line. <laughs> like I can tell you an exact dollar sum of what I have to earn in a month to pay everybody, pay all the bills. When I hit that amount, I take a day off. Literally, I don't care if that happened to be on the third day of November or the 28th day of November. The next day I'm not working because I'm taking that next day off. I did it. I hit the finish line. Then the next one is your gravy. You want to pay down your credit card bills or you want to book that great trip to Hawaii or whatever. Great. How much more money do you have to have to get to that? When you get to there, do it. Book that trip. Don't just start thinking about a bigger trip. Book the reasonable trip. Do the thing you said you were going to do with that money and press pause for a moment. Congratulate yourself. 
The problem I think with a lot of this is that we're working at moving goals and we're constantly punishing ourselves for not putting out enough content and never congratulating ourselves for the insane amount of content we're pumping out. Like Charles Dickens would have lost his mind if he could make the amount of content that the average person is throwing out there right now. I mean, there's so much to unpackage in that answer. I mean, once you know what your targets are for money, I do think a lot of things come back to money. I'm a personal finance writer. I've written a lot of articles and building credit, stuff like that. And it's like, there are so many things about personal finance that people don't know, but they definitely should know. And you could go really deep into this, but the basic idea is income and expenses. Know how much money you have to make in order to cover the expenses. And then that gauges, are you working at a reasonable pace? And the answer isn't always, let me write 10,000 words per day. The answer, <laughs> if there's a money shortage, is how do I get more pay for the same words that I'm putting out, raising those rates, looking for people who are willing to pay more than what you have and just understanding what you want for yourself instead of this endless pursuit of more. It's one of the joys of being a writer. There is an endless, there are an endless number of things you can write about. There are an endless number of niches that you can choose to go into. And sometimes that's the other issue is that as a writer, you can just... You just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep running faster, churning it out harder. But again, if it's if you're running too fast, you're running too hard, you're not earning the amount you want to earn, sit down and look at the deeper reasons. So as an example, I can't remember the last time anyone paid me to write a blog post. Oh my goodness, no. There's fantastic money in um, the nonprofit sector. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Lots and lots of money there. Uh, the sports sector, writing educational content. Everything isn't blog posts, white papers, oh my gosh, proposals. The amount corporations will pay for someone who can put together a really good grant proposal is wild. So explore some other ways, things that have higher price points. Um, they're out there. Everything is not about trying to get, you know, write blogs for something. That is the actually, for the most part, that is the lowest that is the lowest possible way. That is the lowest price point per word. And it's okay to start there. But if you stay there, you're, you're staying lower than you need to stay. Go dream a little bigger, find an area, ask yourself sort of what you enjoy. Um, like I sort of like, I discovered, I can do white papers and deep, dark research type things, but it's not my forte. Um, I do a lot better at warming brands up I do a lot better at getting that kind of you and I language in there, making things more inclusive. So many years ago, that's what I started digging into, was saying to clients, well, this is lovely, but it's very flat. Do you find this has enough personality for you? And there was frankly a lot more money in taking existing authority-based content and improving it. So look a little bit, look a little more than just write more words. No, write, don't write so much, write smarter and actually think about what you enjoy. Again, use a timer, take small, frequent breaks. Um, there should be at least one day every week when you don't write anything. There just should. Um, and, and also don't overlap, don't get all screwed up with the stuff you write for yourself and the stuff you write to get paid. 
that can get very weird. And you can find yourself yeah. working hours and hours and hours and thinking you've had this amazing day and you look at it and none of your amazing things were going to make you any money at all. So look at your schedule and do the stuff you're getting paid for first. Always do the stuff you're getting paid for first. That's common sense. <laughs> Those are the things, I mean, these are the things that I find. I really find the timers super helpful. Think of your writing in time, not in words. I mean, I know the most popular thing is the Pomodoro. Do you use the Pomodoro technique or, or use something else? I use all the techniques. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, I'm, I mean, honestly, I do a lot of that stuff i for a long time i find with bigger articles i'm a big fan like the pyramid is my friend um get to the point say something big and exciting first then the pieces in the middle then add some little amazing nibbly bit that's like a little pearl of wisdom for that skimming person whose thumb has to keep going to the bottom um like as far as the actual that's the other thing is that most people who are writing for a living are doing it because they preferred writing for a living to doing all kinds of other things they could do for a living and it's terrible when the thing that you most enjoy that you thought you were great at turns into this, this burning, horrible pain in the pit of your stomach. That should never, ever happen. I've been doing this for 25 plus years. I still promote every day to my little office in my backyard with my dog. I sit down. I have a hoot. I do. I actually genuinely enjoy it. Um, I did a course a few years ago in medical terminology. Most fun I'd had in forever. You wouldn't believe how much Latin I learned. So you just got to find the part of it that that you got into it to begin with and dig into that and stop getting mad at yourself for not writing 10,000 words a day or 5,000 words a day. That's just not a sustainable lifestyle. Just don't. I mean, I think writers, as Kim mentioned, uh, one of the core themes is to uh, celebrate your wins. I mean, I like how Kim says, like, I've hit my income goal. Now I'm just going to take a day off. It's that way to reward yourself and uh, taking at least a day a week away from writing to get off the treadmill for a little bit. Uh, stuff like, again, with the running analogies, like you take those days off to recover. So you come back stronger. Like that's oh my gosh. how you, running you, will works. Write, you will write so much faster. You will write so many more words. As a matter of fact, the, the person who says to me or rolls their eyes and goes, you just don't understand. You have no idea the pressure I am under. Like, I know. I know the pressure you are under. I have been self-employed for 27 years. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've owned and sold three different companies. I've raised three children in the meantime. I have a husband with health conditions. So every single bloody day, I have to make giant meals from scratch because poor man never learned to cook. Didn't expect a heart attack. Now look where he is. We can't do takeout food. So, I mean, life is busy. But it does not mean that you can't have fun. And if you are miserable, stop being miserable. No matter what you're doing for a living, and writing is no exception. The internet is a voracious content beast. It will never stop wanting content. So you get to pick. Um, I have an interesting story I shared with someone a few years ago, and it was quite amazing. I wasn't making enough money. I was working really hard and I was not making enough money, particularly in the summer when I had these kids and they weren't in school and I had to pay for childcare and just wasn't balancing out. And my thought was get more clients, get more clients, get more clients, get more clients. Eventually I had so many clients. I was working at six in the morning. I was still working at 10 o'clock at night. This was not fun. And what I realized, so I went back again. I looked at the clients I really, really liked. The ones I'd been with for a while, they were, they were always nice to work with. And I essentially reached out to them and said, I'm sorry that I'm going to have to have a 4% across the board rate increase. 
not a single client left me. It's 4%. It's a very minor thing. It's not a huge amount of money for people who are already using your services and already like your services. No one's going to leave you over what may work out to be like less than a couple hundred bucks a month. They're not going to, they're going to be fine. They're going to hang in there. And then you wait another nine months, 10 months, raise that 4% again. Like wait, figure out what the existing client market base will bear. What you started charging people when you started working with them doesn't have to be what they pay you forever. Ask for more money from people who already like you. It's a surprisingly easy way to make more money. I increased the revenue of my company one year by over 46% and I never took on a new client. All I did was charge my existing clients small increments more money for slight value adds and pushed a little harder to see what else I could do for them. And it was a far more relaxed year, like way better. Just saying, do you want 50 crazy clients or 20 happy clients that you like and they like you? Let them pay more. <laughs> and if a client isn't willing to go up with you, that those are usually the bad clients. Those are usually the ones who they're, uh, yeah. they want you to write really like cheap content and they'll have you do like 10 revisions for free. Like usually if they don't go up with you it, and then you could divert that time into getting more clients as well. Oh yeah. I mean, these rules don't apply at all for the first 24 months. If you're going to try and make it as a professional content writer in the world for 24 months, you are just going to have to hustle like you've never hustled before. Your butt is on fire. You do not have a social life. You write from six in the morning till midnight, whatever. But when you get to the end of that certain, you know, earning your, building your authority, you now you have some proof. You have a body of work. You probably have a few repeat clients or you should. That's when you should start settling down a little bit. Don't keep, you don't have to keep proving yourself like you're brand new. It's like, look at yourself in the mirror. Look at the things you've done. Appreciate where you're coming from. You don't have to get cocky, but let that build a little bit of gravitas, as I like to put it. People will pay more money when the person has more authority and appears to be worth more money. It's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, a, you you know exactly what I'm talking about because I'm sure you've been there. After a couple of years, you should start earning more money and working a little less hard. It's a sign you're going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, with those, I, I mean, when the rates go up, you don't have to take on as much work. Like that's when you get, and you build up the body of work as Kim mentioned, and then you do get there in a few years. Uh, I'm wondering if we can, um, because we've been talking a lot of the perspective is on the overworked content creator who just needs to slow down a little bit. But I think part of it is also the person who doesn't have clients, is, doesn't feel like they're doing enough. And because of that dynamic, people beat themselves up and they don't enjoy it. So uh, for those people wondering if we could share some ways that they can start building up their client base so they feel more confident with their income. And then they get to that point eventually where they are earning more while working less. I mean, I'm not sure this applies completely, but I found that sometimes when I'm starting something new, it's fun if I work with someone who's starting something new. 
<laughs> we're sort of on a level playing field. So if you're going to, when you're first getting started, if you're going to be giving it away for free, so to speak, at least give it away to free for somebody who will appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, like a startup. If you're going to be charging very little money, it can be a lot of fun to work with startups. They're fun. They're gritty. They're they're interesting. They'll they'll let you try new content formats. They'll they'll let you play a little bit with their voice and their personality. Um, so just as getting started tips, stay, you know, don't don't go after the big giant clients all the time. Take a little bit more low hanging fruit, and and you'll have a better time with those folks, and you can grow with them. Their company grows. You grow, you get more opportunities, you get more opportunities together. I'm a big fan of that. I've had clients for over 10 years that started off, you know, when I started off, they were a little shaky and now they're not shaky anymore. Neither am I. So it works out well for both of us. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic because I think a lot of people, they go for the big companies, which isn't bad to do, but going for someone who's just getting started out, you're able to interact with them a little bit more. There aren't gatekeepers usually. I mean, that's an interesting approach as well. And if you're going to, if you're just getting started, like it's, let's say it's a side hustle, you know, something else you do all the time, but secretly you, what you would really love to be doing is, you know, is more this writing stuff. Um, try some nonprofits, try some, and I don't mean nonprofits like giant national nonprofits. <laughs> I work with some of those and trust me, they'd be brutal. Um, no, no, no. I mean, like go grassroots organizations. Put out some, reach out, say, hey, I'll volunteer. I would absolutely love to do your social feeds for you for free for six months. Or I've noticed that you're only on Facebook, which is hilarious. You're only on Facebook. What can I do to help you overcome this incredible obstacle? Um, you want to be a social media person? Go pick a grassroots organization. Do it for them for six months. You know what you have? You have a case study. You have platforms. You have continuity. You have testimonials. You have everything that you need to pick it up and run. And you also feel really good about yourself because there's some grassroots group that you really benefited. And as you evolve from it being a side hustle to it being a job, look at you. You already have logos to put on your website. You already have happy clients. You don't have to be paid by them. Those That's a great way to get yourself started. Fantastic beginner. Blogging too. Grassroots organizations, press releases, press kits, brand kits. My God, they will take anything. I mean, just the, once you get started, you get those samples out, it just gets easier from there. But again, it's just those few small steps. It gets so much uh, easier, more enjoyable. You get to earn more work less as a writer. There's a lot of possibilities, but it all starts with what you do each day and just be able to balance the work with having the enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I think at the end of the day, again, you writer's block is just a momentary thing. Writer's block can be fixed with a cup of tea, a hot bath, walk around the block with your dog. Um, burnout is a much more difficult thing. Burnout means sometimes that you really can't make content. And that's that's terrible. It's terrible financially and it's terrible emotionally. You don't want to go there. So it is like that running scenario. When you find yourself finding it harder and harder to sit at your desk or and put those words out, that's the time to reassess and do some changes. It's very small changes, little tweaks, and you, then you keep right on going. Don't keep, don't keep at it. Don't keep pushing yourself until you honestly hit that snap. It's the runner's snap when you suddenly go, oh, there went my ankle. Like, you, just, you know, it's, I should have stopped. 
don't let that happen with your writing because it's such a fun way to make a living. I mean, come on. So cool. I think Kim and I could go on and on about the how much we enjoy the writing, the schedule, the flexibility, the new things we learn. But once you go on that journey yourself and you go deeper and you have the income and the clients, it is a very beautiful thing. Kim has been able to do that for herself and she has a lot of great resources available. Kim, I'm wondering if you could share with us where we can follow your work and journey and learn learn more about you. Uh, absolutely. Well, first thing I recommend is buy my book. It's called Making Words Work. Um, it's available on Amazon. You can listen to it in an audible with a beautiful woman whose voice is a thousand times better than mine. Um, also has an ebook and soft cover format and whatever. And it does go into actually the nitty gritty. There are practicalities of how you can write faster. I mean, I know I make a joke about it, but I can churn out a lot of content in a ridiculous period of time. I mean, you, you honestly, in that time you're taking that hot shower, I can probably throw out those 5,000 words because I've been doing it a long time and there are lots of shortcuts and fast ways to polish your work, fast ways to make it look a little better than somebody else's work. So I cover those things in the book. Um, but I also do do an entire section on how to get into that nice emotional space where like a runner, if you're in the right headspace and you're pacing yourself, you should be able to just write every day, get up the next morning and write again. It's all about pacing yourself. And then at the end, I do a bit of stuff about your long-term success, how to, you know, how to make, stretch that content. Never write one piece. There's no such thing as any one piece of writing that can't be turned into five pieces of writing. There just is not. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing. Stretch it. So I recommend that. I also put out a newsletter. You can chat, find me at kimscaravelli.com every couple of weeks with tips and resources and all that kind of stuff. And uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, as long as the uh, wheels stay on the wagon, I suppose, <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, not Facebook, because that's a scary place to be. And I'd rather not be there. <laughs> um, but those are my three main spots. And I'm always happy to chat with anybody. Throw me a message. If you have a question, I'll give you an answer. Well, Breakthrough Success Sisters, we will have all those links in the show notes. Make sure you grab a copy of Kim's book to learn more about becoming a successful writer and making those words count. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks. It was nice to see you in person, Mark. Bye.